WA Country Cricket rocks in January of each year and this January, 2022, is absolutely no different. My name is Rob Marshall and on behalf of the WA Country Cricket Board, welcome to Episode 4 of Out on the Paddock. January is definitely one of the busiest months for WA Country Cricket. With Junior Country Week, Senior Men's Country Week and Women's Country Week, the flagships of an amazing few weeks ahead. However, there is plenty else happening in the world of WA Country Cricket. So sit back now as we unpack the current news in WA Country Cricket, including an incredible cricket festival held over the Christmas New Year week just gone, as well as an interview at the back end of today's podcast with a name in WA Country Cricket familiar to many and yet with a story of how he became a lifetime WA Country Cricketer that may surprise many also. So enjoy episode four of Out on the Paddock. It's great to have you joining us on episode four of Out on the Paddock. Uh, As we have done on all the episodes today, we're going to kick off with some country cricket news from around the state and there's there's plenty to tell at the moment and uh, obviously a lot happening in the cricket scene as we go to air with this episode of Out on the Paddock. Um, I've got a, a really uh, a special guest. He's, he's almost becoming a bit of a regular uh, these days. This is a second gig for Tim Edmonds. Uh, Tim's going to be joining me to discuss a number of current issues and a, current, a couple of exciting things that are happening in WA Country Cricket. First of all, Tim, great to have you on the show again. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Um, great to be here again. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, two out of four, I suppose. I think that's regular. <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, you've gazumpted uh, a few other guys around the place, so it's good to, <laughs> get, good to have you on the on the show, mate. And we will uh, be tapping into your incredible knowledge for those who maybe are tuning in for the first time. Uh, Tim's um, got a wide, experienced um, time in the country WA country cricket's uh, sphere and space. Uh, multiple roles. We won't go over them uh, in, a, in a major way right now. Listen to an earlier uh, edition of Out on the Paddock and uh, you might get a bit more of a rundown, but pre- predominantly uh, Tim's role these days is as the uh, as the main man supporting Country 11 and the WA Country 11. So uh, we'll tap into Tim's uh, uh, extreme knowledge around that, but we'll also tap into a couple of other things that Tim's still got his finger in the pie with, with WA Country Cricket. First of all, let's kick off by maybe giving uh, the listeners a little bit of a, an insight into a recent decision that's just been announced for that it has a, a distinct effect on WA Country Cricket and uh, possibly not in the most positive way that we want to start the new year. WA Country Cricket um, has been affected by a decision made by WA Cricket as a whole, or the Wacker as we once knew it, uh, a decision not to participate in the upcoming Australian Country Cricket Championships. Now, I want to clarify that WA Cricket and the board had to make a decision and the um, more so the management of WA Cricket around participating in seven national community cricket championships this season. So it's not just affecting only the Australian Country Cricket Championships for men and women, but obviously with the lens of this podcast being on WA Country Cricket, um, it is sad to announce that we uh, won't be sending teams this year to the proposed carnival at this stage that looks like it may go ahead sometime around March, April, May here in Australia, although I'm I'm probably questioning whether that will still go ahead anyway. 
The reasons that WA Cricket and management have come to this decision are around three things predominantly. First of all, the proposed timing from Cricket Australia around the ACCC being sometime at the back end of March, April or perhaps into May just wasn't deemed to be uh, really ideal. And if we think of WA Country Cricket uh, at the end of March into early April, we've got lots of events surrounding finals in associations. Uh, There's other carnivals that are being run at that time of the year that have a distinct impact on the participation ability for a number of our um, top-end cricketers in WA Country Cricket. The second reason and probably the most significant is concerns and uncertainties around COVID-19 currently and in particular travelling into state. And we've seen in the last couple of weeks uh, the explosion of the Omicron um, version, if you want to call it that, of COVID-19. And um, certainly the numbers that are coming through as we uh, go to air are rather alarming and uh, it'll be on the on the back end of the uh, proposed 5th of February opening of WA borders that uh, sending these teams would be a concern is uh, is what's coming out of WA cricket in regards to that. And finally, for most of the listeners tuning in, you probably are here in Western Australia, but if you're outside of Western Australia, you may or may not be aware, but uh, the, uh, the significant impact to WA cricket's financial situation with the loss of a Ashes Test match this year and also virtually all of the BBL Scorchers fixtures um, is also another significant reason as to why this decision has been made. And it's been a decision that's been very difficult to make, not one taken lightly and is is somewhat or very unfortunate. And in relation to WA Country Cricket and the Country Cricket Board, we support those decisions that have been made by management at WA Cricket, um, but also share with them, obviously, the, the huge disappointment that uh, goes with that. However, I'll, I'll pass over to Tim now for some comment on, on that. And um, also maybe, Tim, you can, uh, I've been the bearer of the bad news, but there's some positives that come out of this and uh, maybe you can share those with the listeners. Yeah, uh, thanks, Rob. Obviously, uh, a bit like yourself, as you, as you shared there, the the original response, I suppose, to the news was, you know, obviously one of disappointment and, and I suppose sadness in a way, but, you know, completely understandable and accepted by the playing group on those reasons, as you stated. But, yeah, I suppose um, I suppose I think I mentioned the last uh, last episode there, I suppose you could picture our players almost like a bull at a gate trying to get another shot at this. Um, yeah. And obviously... I've had a few discussions over the past few days, having been down south and and and, and caught up with quite a few you know, players in, in the squad and the likes. And yeah, their feelings are exactly the same. I suppose we'd, we'd like to be frozen, so to speak, for a, a couple yeah. of years. But um, when we when we're able to hopefully move on, and I'm not going to speak too soon, but hopefully next season that we can eventually eventually return to um, I suppose normality and, and returning to to something our, our playing group is so proud in, in representing the state. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, the other factor that comes into play with our disappointment is the knowledge, and you can uh, maybe expand on this, but we, we sincerely feel as though right now we've got one of the most special groups mm. playing or, or special squads uh, available to us that we've had in quite a while and on the back end of mm. excellent results in Shepparton, and um, also uh, more recently in Toowoomba, yep. uh, despite not quite 
bringing home the, the title. Mm. Um, yeah, we are disappointed that we, we kind of feel as though we're, we're, we're being robbed of a little golden era here, I guess. Yeah, like I, this, this is my fourth season as coach and I haven't gone for the past two seasons and I suppose I'm in the same boat as a number of players and hopefully when we get the chance to go back, it, it's... I would like. I'd like to think it's going to be a stay, a case of you know, let's get the boys back together, and you know, we're in a bit of a golden era here. But the reality is that two years time, in two years, a lot of people's um, you know lives have changed. Whether that might be work, family, we're guys in our squad have had two kids since then. Um, yeah. You know, and not to put to put on top, you get a little older as well and a little slower. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying we're throwing the playing squad out the window, but. Um, that's another challenge and that's another challenge to keep regenerating the squad and, and it's a numbers game in regards to why I think I said last time, while you're looking at the, the here and now, you also can't take your eye a bit off the future and um, I know that the work we're doing in the cult space is really important and even going back to, I suppose, recent um, recent good results at the with the country team at the 15s um, talent carnival, which Andrew Hayes um, coached. That is really important to what we're doing yeah. now. The players are down the track, potentially going to be state, country, country eleven players. So, um, yeah, as I said, it's really disappointing. Um, there is, there is a, I suppose, it is not the end of the world. Um, but I just, I think like, it's a fair point, as you said, potentially being robbed of a, a bit of a gold near here. We've got some positives that are coming out of the back of this um, and looking glass half full rather than glass half empty. I'm trying to. I'm oh, trying to with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, did, I did give the news up to send an email to players and text and phone. Just recently I got back home for Albany the Christmas holidays. It was the worst, worst, last thing I probably wanted to do heading into Christmas. Yeah. But they deserve to know, of course, and, yeah, same, same, um, same emotions, no doubt. So the positives are the ability for players to now fully engage that might not normally have with our Senior Country Week that's coming up. Yeah. Yep. We've also got the the back end of a really exciting country cup that's mm. evolved where we've got uh, four teams participating and each is on a win at the moment. So the back end of that will be uh, uh, able to be fully engaged with in a major way by all the best players around WA country cricket mm. and also the statewide T20 as well, of which we've been a seriously uh, important contributor or, or significant contributor in that as well. So do you want to just comment particularly on the on the statewide T20 and the Country Cup? Yeah, that's, um, oh, yeah, it's very even Country Cup, as you mentioned. Um, oh, if I'm just looking from a global perspective or, sorry, from a um, bird's eye perspective, Bunbury are certainly the favourites, I would think. Um, strong side on paper, strong performances. Um, I think they certainly look the favourite at the moment. So, interesting to see what they can do in the last game against Albany. And I suppose the game between the Invitation 11 and Peel is. Um, yeah, very, very tantalising as well. So the players will come out of Senior Country Week to have a crack at that in uh, mid-Feb. Um, I think I've got that correct. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, I've been, been, been on holidays, mate, so I'm a bit, um, <laughs> been a bit away with, <laughs> without cricket on my we've brain. Been there. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, Country Week, I suppose, yeah while, yeah, while the news, as we mentioned, of the country championships is disappointing, I know players, you know, some of our players spend their annual leave on Country Week and the Country Championships, which is more than half of your four weeks annual leave, I suppose, um, some of them have now going to fully commit to country, which is which is really pleasing. We saw that last year. We saw a really good country week. I just, yeah, I'd always, always like to see a good stand of cricket. I'll get along to watch some of the games and hopefully it's a really competitive um, competitive competition, not, not only in A section but across the grades. 
Yeah, so make sure if you're, you're tuning in and you, especially if you're in the metro area, make sure you you know look out for the the fixtures and uh, the matches, and we'll reference those at the the back end of uh, this particular news section of out on the paddock as to where to go to and mm. uh, the the places to be in the back end of January as Senior Country Week unfolds. Yeah. I guess we'll also call out the fact that, you know, obviously this affects our, our women's team as well mm-hmm. with the ACCC. It's not just the men. So uh, uh, we had Angel Gray on the on the last episode of uh, Out on the Paddock and I'm sure, however, looking at the positives, there are other events coming up, including Women's Country Week, uh, for, for those um, uh, girls and ladies to be able to really show their skills and, and still be able to participate at a really, really uh, high level and play some great cricket. Absolutely. So we'll move um, We'll move on from uh, probably uh, that somewhat uh, sad announcement for WA Country Cricket just at the moment, although, like I say, we do we do look at it with a glass half full and there's some uh, there's some good results in there as well to come out the back end of, of that decision-making. want to uh, now take your uh, Country 11 hat off and put on a, a separate hat. Yeah, he's literally <laughs> taken the hat off. There it is. There it goes, for those who can't see. Tim's also been heavily involved with um, a great Southern initiative um, from a number of years ago that is just continuing to grow and develop in a in a spectacular way. Um, and for many of us sitting back and observing from a distance, we're starting to go, wow, this is something special. Uh, an event that's just been held over the, the last week of December uh, called the Southern Smash. So I won't uh, talk too much. Tim, maybe give us a little bit of background of what is the Southern Smash, where, how did it start and uh, where, where is it going? Oh, I suppose how did it start, Rob? Is, I think it's the, it's the word a coffee table idea when a few guys... Yeah, uh, more, yeah. It was more so born in one of the local local pubs down there. I mean, a few, a, few of us, <laughs> a few of us mates got together um, and literally, you know, brainstormed this idea, which is essentially started as a four-team um, T20 franchise competition. We thought we want to get the best players across the state Country and Metro, how do we get that? This is our only time period where we can get this. So what we have now is a six-team competition, six local businesses putting their hand in their pocket to support local cricket along with a number of other sponsors. It does act as, yeah, on one arm, a fundraising initiative in a way, a real fun one, but I suppose the main initiative is we get to bring high-quality cricket, some of the best cricketers in the state. Now, just recently we've had Chris Saberg, who... Two days after playing in the Southern Smash, has just been added to the Scorchers squad as a replacement player. Um, we've got wow. Jared, we had Jaron Morgan playing, uh, who's still playing second level cricket for WA. Played for the Scorchers in 2019 and 20, and a host of other regular first grade cricketers, our best country cricketers, and also some really good local talent. <laughs> it, it, you probably hear by the way I'm speaking. I'm actually you know really passionate about this, and it's not just about the cricket, which is of extremely high standard. It's it's more so about the experience and the benefits this can do for country cricket. Now we don't want to take the best country cricketers necessarily out of the state to Premier Cricket in Perth, but for a young kid who maybe get to rub shoulders with some really good players over the over the couple of days, it actually opens up some doors for them when they want to go play in Perth. We don't have a a zone system like you would in the Waffle where you go to your country zone. When you go to Perth, it actually can be quite daunting whether you might go where one of your mates is or you might not know anyone. You have to try and walk into a club. So what we've seen over recent years is some really good connections built. I think Premier Clubs are actually spending more time actually recognising this competition as well and where they can find some good talent. And um, everyone benefits from this at the moment. The crowds flock to it. Um, Yeah, the mighty in-swing ignition I was involved with have won two in a row. Our guys just absolutely love it and most of the players give absolutely fantastic feedback on, on the experience. So 
Well, you, you, for those who um, engage with Facebook, if you haven't uh, already done so, or go Instagram, yeah, or Instagram, yep. yeah, go and search. Uh, yeah, that seems to be us older blokes are on Facebook <laughs> and uh, the younger guys on Instagram, maybe yep. or Twitter. Um, but certainly go and search up on social media. Um, the Southern Smash. Yep. Uh, it was a pretty quick search for me, and and all the posts are there. Uh, mm. The excitement was huge. Just so, just going through. There's, there seems to have been evolving mm -hmm. uh, two distinct divisions, an under-21s and, and a more open division. So in the under-21s, who won the event and who were some of the outstanding performances that you can remember? Um, it was actually a two-match series in the under-21s, which developed from just an exhibition game last year um, to a two-game competition this year played. Uh, the second game was played as a twilight fixture or night fixture basically after the after the, I suppose, the match of the round, you could say, on the main ground. Um, we had the pinnacle plumbing pirates versus, that's actually a mouthful, that is, versus the yeah. um, Ganser Electrical Gators. So um, it was, I wouldn't say the, I think a lot of the guys who played in that, quite a few actually played in the main event as well. Um, it was pretty low scoring. It wasn't a whole lot of uh, great batting performances, but um, it was a couple of tight tussles and we're actually looking to potentially expand that competition next year. So, we're talking about a, an opportunity to get some really good under twenty one talent from across the country, and talking about them potentially feeding into our into our country cults. It's a really good opportunity for them to maybe showcase their skills, and we're looking to increase that competition to a four team comp as well. So hopefully we've got enough grounds down in Albany to to cater for this. But it's literally five or six of us as a, as a volunteer run committee as the, I suppose, the main committee. We have a heap of volunteers just pouring hours of time into this. We could always do it more. As you know, in cricket, Rob, there's um, sometimes too few doing too much in, in the cricket space in club and association level, but um, it really is a fun couple of days. If you're ever thinking, if you see the competition purely as a fundraising venture, it's pretty fun, <laughs> but, but we see it as much more than that. Yeah, so I'd encourage you, like I said before, if you haven't jumped onto social media and searched up uh, the Southern Smash, do so because uh, there's some great footage on there, some great photos. Yep. Uh, there's a, there's some footage there that I was watching earlier going around the ground. There's, you know, tents set up. There were people everywhere. There seemed to be an amazing uh, atmosphere yep. uh, around the event in Albany, magnificent grounds or ground in particular down in Albany that uh, is almost iconic in WA country cricket. So jump on there. Um well done to all the winners, all the uh, good performers. We won't go through them one by one. Uh, you can you can catch a bit of that on on the social media sites. But uh, and in the 2022 event, Tim, has it already? Is there been dates set? Or? Oh, we usually look around the 29, 32. Oh, sorry, 28, 29. Whatever's whatever's easiest. We don't understand it's quite challenging around this time for people to actually get to Albany. You know, a good four and a half, five hours from Perth, and I suppose likewise from the southwest. And and actually, accommodation is actually a real battle. We find as yeah. well. Also, um, we're probably looking this year to get a bit more organised um, yep. early on. Then you can put the tools down and relax a bit during winter and then we can just pick them back up again when, when summer's yeah. nearby. A great initiative by the Great Southern Region in particular uh, around this and it's reinvigorated a lot of um, uh, intensity around cricket in, in the Albany, Mount Barker, that area, I'm yep. guessing. So Definitely. really, really thrilled that uh, we could um, be able to bring this on the podcast and we'll keep you updated as dates are announced perhaps during... Uh, the coming months or whatever, we'll make sure that everybody's well and well and truly in tune with uh, the Southern Smash for next year. But Tim, thanks very much for joining us again today on Out on the Paddock, and uh, 
we will uh, we'll not make you a stranger. I'm sure we'll get you in on board again and uh, certainly in the back end of this season once we uh, start to really get our heads into uh, the, the performances and the results from the Country Cup in particular, which we're all really looking forward to. No, I appreciate it, Rob. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year to yourself and all the listeners as well. Thanks, Tim. Cheers. So as Tim slides out of our virtual studio, just a couple of those dates and events that we mentioned are coming up in January, of course, uh, and you can find these on either My Cricket if you search up Country Cricket Board as the organisation. You can also jump onto our website, ccb.wa.cricket.com.au and be able to see all the fixtures and dates of the events following. So we've got Junior Country Week kicking off on Monday the 10th of January and we'll run through to Friday the 14th of January with some exciting talent on show in Perth through 16A and 16B right through to 14A, B and C. And uh, we can't wait for that to kick off and, and see that talent on show all around the amazing grounds in Perth. We then slide into straight into Senior Country Week which uh, kicks off on Sunday the 16th of January and runs through to Friday the 21st of January, A through to F sections. And we're really excited to have uh, a favourite team back that uh, we saw two years ago that unfortunately couldn't participate last year thanks to our uh, little thing called the pandemic. But uh, the Christmas Island team will be back on on display for Senior Country Week and uh, the the number of teams this year has increased. So we're really looking forward to the competition uh, kicking off on Sunday the 16th of January. Uh, we've also then got the Women's Country Week, which uh, again will be held in Geraldton and we've uh, called that out in previous episodes of Out on the Paddock that commences on Saturday the 22nd of January up in Geraldton and the great grounds that are around Geraldton. And also as referenced with Tim just a few moments ago, uh, the Belt Up Country Cup is at a really exciting phase coming into the new year. And on Sunday the 13th of February, uh, the the two matches, which are effectively semi-finals, will be held. We've got Bunbury and Districts versus Albany, which will be held in uh, Harvey, my old haunt, and uh, in my opinion, one of the best turf wickets going around. There's a plug for, for my old place. Um, and then we've got the WA Invitational 11 versus Peel at Stevens Reserve at Fremantle. So make sure if you are, uh, are out and about on Sunday the 13th of February and you're around the Harvey area or the Fremantle, area, jump along to those grounds and make sure you uh, tune into those built-up Country Cup semi-finals, which are simply going to be sensational. So now we're going to slide into the, the final part of today's podcast, and that is an amazing interview with a lifetime WA country cricketer that I'm uh, really excited to be able to bring to you now. Our guest on Out on the Paddock today is somebody that uh, is a lifetime country cricketer, somebody that I've uh, probably secretly admired for a very long time now, even though at times uh, I've had to admire from the wrong end of the pitch uh, and uh, face him uh, at express pace. He's a former Country 11 cricketer. He's a long-time senior Country Week player. He's a uh, regular still in the club scene in cricket, uh, more towards the back end of his career, I'd suggest, than at the, than at the start, mm-hmm. but certainly has dominated in local A-grade cricket, in country cricket. He's been a mentor, he's been a coach, and he's arguably the quickest left-arm bowler to play country cricket in the past couple of decades. Welcome to Out on the Paddock, Chris Waddingham. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. 
It's great to have you, mate, and uh, I, I'm guessing we can uh, rock with Watto because that's how most of you, your uh, teammates and maybe those who weren't teammates have uh, referred to you as other things, but we'll go with Watto over the journey. Well, it's one of the more polite nicknames I've yeah. been given at least anyway. <laughs> so we'll kick off with, I've used the word arguably the quickest left-arm player to, uh, a left-arm bowler to play country cricket in the past few decades. Mate, this is uh, your your story, you're going to sort of argue against that? You're going to, you know, sort of suggest that it's definitely the quickest left-arm <laughs> bowler of the last few decades? Or, yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing is a bowler is you, you actually got no idea how quick you are, do you? So, That's a good, good um, point. Yeah, I don't – I guess I always um, always felt uh, that I was quick enough to, to hurry a couple of batsmen up. Um, so it's an interesting – it's an interesting sort of a topic really – um, because comparisons are always drawn between one and another and and even in, in cricket clubs at the beginning of each year, you know, there's a recruits come in into the association, oh, and he's quicker than Watto or he's quicker than this guy or whatever, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah I have no real idea how quick I was. but uh, Well, I'm going to ping it that you were, uh, having played <laughs> against most. I'm actually struggling to think of, and you might be able to refresh my memory, I'm struggling to think of too many really quick left-arm bowlers. I played against plenty of right-arm quickies that we might argue were quicker or a similar pace to you, but uh, I'm thinking of Pug Roberts is one left lefty yeah. that certainly troubled me across the journey. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of too many others, to be honest. Yeah, well, Pug was um, Pug was sort of at, the, at, at his height when I was uh, in high school and having left Bunbury um, as a 15-year-old to go to boarding school, um, Pug then went on. I mean, he was a, he was a household name, you know, in a, in our young cricketers' yeah. minds at least. And um, yeah, left-handers are, are I guess, a, a bit a bit of a rare commodity too. There, mm. I mean, we rule the world, but yeah. um, <laughs> you guys that hang on to the ball in the right hand are pretty common. But <laughs> um, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, as far as quality is concerned, I think Doug Ellis is, is probably the, the yeah. best left armour I've seen. But um, Pretty amazing record. I was only looking at his country eleven record last mm. night, and yeah, certainly he um, he, he rates up there with one of the best. And yeah, many, many tell me could have gone on to much higher honours, but chose to play a lot more in the country than he probably should have. Yeah, but, pro- uh, probably some of that wasn't really choice either. But no. you might get to cover that one day. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's certainly uh, an outstanding person as well as a wonderful cricketer. So, mate, uh, at the point, at the moment of uh, maybe embarrassing you a little bit, which we try not to do on this podcast, <laughs> but uh, I, ju- I did jump onto my cricket and uh, had a look at your career. Now, what I want to bring into perspective, obviously, is that for many of us, our my cricket statistics aren't fully complete. Mm. But what it shows at the moment is that across the journey, and I'm sort of pegging that the my cricket stats really started to kick off around 2005, six dribs and drabs, and you know by 2008, mm. nine we start to see more comprehensive stats. But it's pegging you for having played 284 matches having scored 3,999 runs. So you're going to have to play at least one more game for Hay Park, I reckon, Watto, to get a single and raise your bat for 4,000. At a pretty handy batting average, given that you've been pegged as a bowler across your journey, of twenty batting average of 26.14, shows a couple of tonnes across that time, a couple of hundreds. Um, But more impressively, 
392 wickets at a bowling average of 11.57 across a career. That's amazing, absolutely amazing. Now, what I did was I I worked out that um, I reckon from those records you could then go another decade of cricket for you, so another, say, 30%, maybe another 10 years on top of the 20 that it's already captured or thereabouts, 15 or 16. Mm. So I'm guessing that you're more around the 5,000-plus runs and 500-plus wickets across your career, which is pretty amazing. Um, And I'll call out the fact that you're also sitting on 98 catches at the moment, according to my cricket, so try and set yourself up to sleep, (laughs) I reckon. (laughs) Get Get that 100. But pretty impressive record, but I think... The thing that most sticks out for me in your my cricket records, and for those tuning in, go and have a look at them if you're, you're not quite uh, believing me, but um, uh, the thing that sticks out the most and the one that sticks most in my craw, I, um, I personally once took nine for 17. I think it's a Harvey Murray Cricket Association record still to this day. But as you've done across most of my career, you just had to gazump me <laughs> and you you show best figures of nine for 16 yes. in a match. So uh, memories of that match, do you, do you, should you have got all 10? Did somebody rob you or? Oh, well, um, <laughs> it's an interesting story, this. Uh, so I was playing for Morris Cricket Club uh, and I think it was the 4th of December 2004 um, and it's the first time I actually bowled first change mm-hmm. for Marist. Um, not normally open. Not normally open, the bowling. Yeah. So um, then Captain uh, Glenn Deering spoke to me on Thursday night at training. It may have been Tuesday night. Anyway, one of the, one of the nights. And he said, look, big boy, this is, uh, this is my plan. This is what I think we're going to do. They're just sitting on you. And um, Paul Tomasi, um, affectionately known as Titty, and I were opening the bowling and preferred to bowl from the same end as well. So... There was a bit of uh, a, a bit of conversation around all that. Yeah, I'm wondering how that went when you got told you weren't taking the new rock. Well, did well, that go down too well? Well, or? quite interestingly, Glenn doesn't think it did, but I, I thought I accepted his decision pretty well. Uh, he will dispute that <laughs> right to the end. Anyhow, he um, he takes full credit for the nine for 16. Right. So I bowled first change. Matt Anderson got the first wicket. We played against Bunbury Football Club Cricket Club mm-hmm. uh, on Forest Park East. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt Ando got the first one. I came on first change and, yeah, just uh, I seem to have one of those days. I mean, it was 2004, I was 30. Uh, I think you're, you're pretty well in, the, in your peak mm. uh, between 28 and 32, certainly I, I felt I was anyway. I was very fit um, and uh, had a pretty good day out. Had a good day out, yeah. yeah I'd say uh, most... Uh, guys tuning in now would probably suggest that uh, nine for 16 would be uh, a pretty good day out for most. <laughs> I know uh, with my nine for 17, I think I've called this out before, but I would have got all 10, but uh, uh, my old mate Craig Morn was up the other end and hit the only other batsman in the head and put him in hospital. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> I did actually get every wicket in the match, but I, yeah, I didn't get a chance to have a crack at number 11 because he was, he was halfway to um, Mandra Hospital at the time. <laughs> Poor bloke, hope he's okay, by the way. Just shout out to him if he's listening in on <laughs> at the moment. But, uh, yeah, pretty amazing career. Um, I guess one of the things that we try and do on this podcast is 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 capture that sort of history, uh, the sort of things that happen out there in Clubland. We've heard some amazing stories already from 
the likes of Tuck Waldron and um, Jared Marquis, and then we heard from Joey Angel, you know, as uh, good as they get in the last episode. And, you know, it was interesting. Joe almost gave the indication for those who haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it, but he almost spoke more enthusiastically about playing cricket at the back end of his career for Wickham yeah. than what he did getting four, <laughs> four tests for Australia, you know. <laughs> yeah. So some of the, some of the fondest memories... Um, that we want to capture today are obviously from your country career. Where, where did it all start? Were, were you born locally? Currently, you and I are having a chat here in, in uh, Eton, just outside of Bunbury, but did yeah. it all start around here for you? Um, yeah, well, 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 Rob, I only ever have actually played country cricket, um, with the exception of Darlow Cup when I, I went to Aquinas College in 1990 and 91. Um, I've only ever played country cricket. Um, when I left school, uh, I had plans of going down to South Perth and I think I went to one training run, turned up to Swan Districts Football Club, um, which were in the middle of pre-season training and John Todd said to me, make a decision one or the other, son, and make the decision now. So um, I chose football at that stage. But, uh, yeah, cricket started for me uh, here in Bunbury. Um, I grew up in the, in the Kimberley. Um, my, my parents were school teachers on remote Indigenous communities um, and so there was no organised sport uh, for me until I was 10 years of age when um, when the family moved back down south. Um, I think uh, I think it was 1985 would have been my first year for Morris Junior Cricket Club um, here in Bunbury. Mm. I started mm. and played my, my junior uh, cricket with um, with Marist. I associated that with that you had the, the Bunbury Catholic College um, touring teams, of course, that that um, participated in the Marist Carnivals. Mm -hmm. Then I went to Aquinas College and played in the Darlow Cup there, which obviously is not country cricket. Um, I, uh, I broke my leg in um, 1994 playing football and um, it was then 1996 until I played cricket again. Mm -hmm. And I picked that up in, actually at Cogenup mm -hmm. where I'd been sent as a... Um, it was a livestock agent for, for then uh, company elders Burnett Moore um, and you know, going to a to a small community, of course, as as I did uh, into Harvey a year or so later, um, you get involved in the sport, yeah. and um, so so yeah, we we um, fired off the whites again, and uh, and got into it at, at Cajun up in nineteen ninety five. So out in the indigenous 96. community, ninety six, yeah, mm. yeah, and we'll come back to that because mm. I. I was the recipient of uh, your return to cricket in 1996, <laughs> so just quietly with a two-piece ball on a, on a hard wicket at Harvey Primary School, but um, we'll come back to that one. Um, your time out in the Indigenous communities and stuff like, um, and places like that, mm. um, not renowned for organised cricket, I don't think, so I think you were telling me a little bit earlier that your left arm quick bowling is possibly more as a result of another sport that you picked up out there. Do you yeah. want to tell the listeners about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of my um, my upbringing in the Indigenous communities. Um, we started in Kununurra um, and only spent a year there. Then we, we went to uh, to Lumbardina, which is um, now known as, as Juddigen. And then uh, we spent a couple of years there. Then we went across to One Arm Point on the other side of the Dampier Peninsula north of Broome. Um, and we spent three years there, and then my last two years in the Kimberley were at uh, Columbaroo Mission, which is north of Wyndham, um, most northerly town uh, community in, in WA. Um, it's <laughs> it, it's quite unique, uh, certainly in the 70s, um, the, the 
government um, schooling or education department would bring out balls, of course, and there were there were cricket, um, sorry, uh, basketball courts, uh, and there was makeshift oval, but cricket's never been uh, big up up that way, and still is not um, on the communities that is. Um, but the government would bring out the balls, and of course, um, the kids have new balls, and we go into the basketball court, for example, and. Um, you bounce away there for about five minutes until it went off the the court, and the double G's there were uh, were an inch long, so the ball was gone. Gone. So done and dusted. So um, so, so we entertained ourselves in in different ways. Um, certainly at Columbaroo, you know, the, the river was uh, right alongside us. Um, so I I was involved in a lot of um, native. Indigenous uh, activities, and mm. one of them was spear throwing. Mm. And um, oh, you know, we used to we used to throw the spear to, to catch fish and uh, and at anything else that moved mm. at, at times as, as little retrobate kids. <laughs> um, and I think that transferred. I I, I recall um, sharing this with a good friend of mine, Craig Tonkin, and he laughed himself silly. But um, I think the the fact that I threw the spear uh, as a young kid um, has certainly assisted me in in uh, throwing the, the cricket ball. Yep. And then I realised once um, once down here that you're actually not allowed to throw it, you had to bowl it. <laughs> and so the arm had to be uh, to be straight. And, it yeah, it just seemed to, to come together a, a bit, I guess. Yeah, and it was it was actually a time um, which is quite separate to cricket, but it was a time where, where the acceptance of me as a white-skinned Anglo-Saxon person that spoke with an Indigenous accent... I found it very difficult to make friends. Yeah, and and unfortunately, in this world, there is um, there is racism, and yeah. um, and I did experience some of that because of mm. the way I I looked and probably dressed and the way I spoke a bit. So, um, I I I think the fact that I could bowl a ball down reasonably quickly mm. when there was no pads at school, yeah. Um, I gained some friends a little quicker, yes. perhaps than I was going yeah. to. Rob. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I noted over your career. I mean, you maintained a huge connection with those beginnings. And I know, you know, having been on a few tours, Country Week tours, and that with you, you've obviously shared that. And I know, I I did used to notice as a teammate of yours how connected you were with the Indigenous guys who were playing cricket. Yeah. Um, and, you know, come out to bat and you'd be the first to go up and have a banter with them and stuff like that. So obviously close to your heart and it remained that way, which yeah. is, is something that we, we really need to tap more into if we're going to grow cricket Australia-wide. Our Indigenous, you know, so we're, we're recording this podcast only a few days after uh, Scott Boland has taken six for seven in a mm. test match, in an Astros test match, and mm. celebrated as you know one of the only Indigenous players to mm. have got a baggy green, and that's that's sad, really, when you yes. think about it. You know, yeah. um, do you sort of have any thoughts or reasons as to why it, you know there hasn't been the take up for cricket with the Indigenous communities like there has been with AFL? Is there any you know reasoning for that from you know obviously your experiences? I'm probably too far removed from it now, Rob. I, I mean, I still visit the communities um, or every July if I can. Um, obviously, COVID's made that a little bit interesting in recent times. Um, I, I, in my time, and, and, you know, it's 35, 40 years ago now, there was no, there was no exposure to cricket yeah. um, back then. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, the facilities were 
you know, Columbaroo, 265 kilometres north of the of the Gibb River Road, um, you know, to put a put a concrete pitch in there and, and have a gabber grass, etc. Yeah, I, I think it's probably still quite a challenge. I don't know. Sometimes I like to look at at, at the glass half half full, and um, you know, look at guys like um, you, you know, and you played in this game at, at Country Week when we we're up in the hills, and um, Jermaine Davis, Bomber Davis, yeah. hit me to all parts, yeah. <laughs> all <laughs> parts of the oval, yes. and he's and he's his late father. I'm I'm fairly sure has has now passed away. Um, or standing up on the hills, <laughs> screaming out, "Bring him on from both ends!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, remember that game, and it was a marvel to watch. You know, it bomb was, was bomb was absolutely. I mean, I, I I'd like to think I was bowling pretty sharp that yes. day, and, and we we're on concrete as well. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the quicker I bowled, the further he dispatched it. He, he, he definitely <laughs> did. And I have um, recurring nightmares myself. I mean, I was bowling from the other end and going about twenty yards further across the the pickets than what yours were, but. Uh, yeah, um, no, it's, it's some great, great memories and certainly it's a focus in WA Country Cricket to try yeah. and find avenues and ways to increase the opportunities for especially the remote communities with mm. Indigenous cricket. I don't know if we're doing that well enough at the no. moment, but certainly something that um, I know we as uh, the Country Cricket Board are pretty keen to try and continue to move forward at least. Yeah. Um, so move, move, talking of moving forward, moving forward to... You playing some junior cricket mm-hmm. in Bunbury yeah. uh, with Mara. So, did you have any influences there? Somebody who maybe took you under the under your wing and sort of helped you develop your game. Given that you were coming out more as a spear fisherman than a, <laughs> a, a, a quick quick left arm bowler, like traditionally you would do. Yeah, well, as a, as a um, as a young player at that time, um, I, I must pay. Um, you know, homage to um, to Jack Birkinshaw, yeah. Who who um, obviously not at club level, but through through the association. Um, whilst I I have an axe to grind at some level with with Jack, because he wasn't interested in in uh, teaching me how to bat at all when I went and asked him. <laughs> he was much happier for me to bowl for a couple of hours on end at Glendearing and Murray Goodwin. <laughs> And I remember him saying to me, when you can bowl as quick as you do, mate, just worry about your bowling. <laughs> um, but he, he certainly assisted me. Um, Dennis McAdee was was the head coach at, at Marist um, cl- uh, Senior Club at the time. And uh, I recall amongst um, amongst many of the things that Dennis did tell me that one of the things he said is, if you ever want to bowl quick, he said, just learn how to run. Mm. And I remember as a young bloke thinking, what a bizarre thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did get through to me over time and uh, and I suppose it's an old school um, view and um, I still think it rings true a little bit now and I use it from time to time when when young guys say to me, you know, how how am I going to get better as a fast bowler? Yeah. Learn to run because yeah. stamina is what it's about. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately I, I have experienced through um, through the years that we only get 10 over spells. Yeah. Um, and for a long time, uh, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, Rob, with this, but, um, you know, at Country 11 um, level, at the time I played, we played two-day cricket, 100, yeah. day, 100, 100 over um, of cricket, and at club level we were only able to bowl 10. Yeah. 
So um, you'd go over to uh, to to Lismore or or um, or to Bundaberg as I did, and Glen Deering would say, "I hope you got twenty in you today, yeah, fella." Yeah. Um, and that was that was a bit of a challenge. So it comes back to to that mentality and 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 that advice that I was given by yep. Dennis in those in those early years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No. It's a, and it's a thread that's coming through with the podcast because uh, speaking to Joey Angel in the last. Uh, episode, he said exactly the same thing. Um, for those who, who did tune in, you would have heard me ask, I asked him the question, what, what makes the difference for a 15, 16 year old bowler coming through now to be able to bowl quick, um, you know, over a sustained period? And, mm. and his, uh, advice was stamina and the ability to keep bowling when everyone else tells you you need to pull up stumps. Mm. You know, if you continue to do that, you build up muscle memory, you build mm. up the ability for the mm. body to handle that. So it's quite interesting your, your observations mm. across your long journey are something similar. Yeah. Um, so when you sort of came through the, the, the Maris program with the, at, in Bunbury yep. um, with the juniors, then <clears throat> moved off, you did have a stint in Perth and you mentioned that football was obviously pretty big in your life as well. So was yep. there, you know, we might have some... Um, uh, listeners tuning in now around that 16, 17, 18 age group who are good cricketers and good footballers. Uh, how did your journey work out with that one and, you know, sort of any suggestions you've got for them right now as to where they're at with that? Yeah, sure. Uh, um, so back in 1989, um, I was picked in the state schoolboys football team. Um, I was the state under 17 and under 19 uh, javelin record holder, and I represented uh, WA at National Athletics in in at the Australian Institute of Sport, uh, and I was also selected in the state under 17s cricket team. So you had a bit going on. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but the point to telling you that well, there's there's two things. I, I the, the the first two the the athletics and the football occurred before the cricket. Um, and my mum couldn't afford to send me yeah. on, the, on the cricket one. Um, and so, uh, unfortunately, in those days, I mean, I was, I was actually so important to, to the selectors at the time that they wrote a letter to dear Colin Waddingham. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so needless to say, uh, after not, not being able to afford to, to, to mum not being able to afford to send me, um, uh, nothing developed, um, further from there, um, in in 1991, I played Teal Cup um, in Darwin, uh, which is now the the under 18s football competition. Yeah, and I was having a wonderful run uh, as a bowler at Aquinas. I um, was opening bowler at Aquinas and had Rod O'Mara, who's a former um, South Perth cricketer, as my coach. Uh, and I fully intended to do both. Mm. Um, however, uh, when you when you head up into the to the waffle, and as I said uh, earlier. Um, and the senior coach at the at the cricket club at the time, um, at the football club rather, was was John Todd, and um, they made me choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know that's um, that's how it was in those days. My advice to young players now is play both, mm-hmm. or play as much as you can for mm-hmm. as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I I as a coach have had experiences with one of my players plays in 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 the waffle and. Um, uh, you know, they expect that coming towards the, the back end of the cricket season when uh, finals and things are going, where, of course, a, a player of um, of the ilk of um, some of our guys that, that are obviously athletes playing both sports yeah. are necessary. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the football club's putting the pressure on them. So, 
Um, unfortunately, I think it is part of, of semi-professional professional sport is that you that you do have to choose. But yep. as is the case for me at um, 19 years of age, I, I, I severely broke my leg on the footy field and um, I probably played 50 games of football after that. Yep. And uh, 400 games of cricket. Yeah, 400 games of cricket, exactly, yeah. yeah. And you, do you sit comfortably with that now? Do you sort of look back and go, we should have gone the other way? Or are you, yeah, you're content with how it all panned out? Um, I think you're reading my face and know the yeah, answer to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I um, look, in, 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 in 1991, uh, Teal Cup, within 24 hours, I had played on David Neitz, Ben Hart and Mark Rusciuto, <laughs> Yeah. Three all-time AFL yeah. um, um, Hall of Famers. Yeah. Um, and so when I broke my leg in 1994 and effectively it was the end of my football career, yeah. um, it's taken me a long time to get over that. Yes. Um, yeah. But cricket was probably the thing that saved me in that. Yeah, because I wasn't able to uh, to be the player. I didn't have the pace. Um, I, I couldn't use my left leg after breaking it like yep. I could prior, and so I wasn't the footballer that I was prior to the to the injury. And along came work um, and responsibilities, and et cetera, et cetera. And the football thing just got too difficult. Yeah. Yep. So um, I was able to to light my competitive fire. With cricket. Cricket, yeah. yeah. So you yeah. just replaced Neats and Rashudo with Marshall and Crogna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting to, to, it's fascinating actually to hear, you know, that part of your journey because in some ways you didn't necessarily make a decision, even though John Todd asked you to, you know, that, that injury obviously impacted on you, but still you were able to go and satisfy um, you know your your competitive needs, albeit in a different sport. So, yeah. I think I think what you've called out, and that is the encouragement to young people, young guys, maybe fifteen, sixteen, and you know we've got, in my opinion, some in WA country cricket now. The cohort right across WA country cricket of fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen year olds. I don't think I've seen too much better, other than perhaps going back to your era of Glendearing and yourself and and Paul Tomasi and those guys, we've got a cohort right now that are something, but many of them face that problem right yeah. now, that they're yeah. also very talented footballers or very talented soccer players yeah. as well, yeah. um, and they've got to make those decisions eventually, but try and hang in there as long as you can is what you're suggesting, which I think is great advice. Yeah. So, by the way, playing at Aquinas must have been pretty happy. I, I just about rate that the best wicket and ground to play cricket on in Perth just about outside the Wacker, uh, played a, uh, a B section final there. I'm not sure if you played in that um, in the early 2000s and it, it maintains an amazing memory for me playing at Aquinas, so you must have enjoyed playing on those tracks. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, Aquinas is a very dear place to me, still is. Um, it uh, What it, it um, gave me in the in my final two years of school or, or facilitated for me as a, as a young man, trying to find his way in the world, um, I'll always be grateful for it. So. Except the day Robbie, uh, Robbie Baker put me up um, into the car park. <laughs> uh, that wasn't that pleasant. <laughs> yeah, well, fair cricket at Rob Baker. Yeah, 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 you're doing well to probably only land in the car park <laughs> from the way he used to hit the ball. Um, 
So, yeah, you mentioned short standing cogent up, but then, and obviously this is in my hitting zone, about 1996, I remember rocking up to a game uh, playing for Harvey against uh, a pretty handy local team here in the southwest called Benja, and there's this young guy steaming into bowl at the Harvey Primary School, and he was uh, about four or five yards quicker than most others. Murray Italiano might uh, complain about that right now. He might suggest that I'm uh, over-exaggerating, but uh, you were certainly hurried us guys up at the Harvey Cricket Club, and so started probably about a five- or six-year journey where... Harvey v Benja was um, Harvey Cricket Club versus Benja Cricket Club was a pretty big ticket item in town for a while there. Yeah, uh, for various reasons, it was very competitive cricket. <laughs> yes, it certainly was. It was actually ninety seven. Ninety seven. Yeah, was yeah. Oh. I um I was employed by uh, E. G. Green and Sons on the first of March my, in nineteen ninety seven. Ninety seven. Yeah, my twenty third birthday. Yeah. Um, and yes, it, it was the beginning of a wonderful. Um, um, rivalry, wasn't it? Mm. It really was. And, and in, I think we can both say now, in most cases, it was always healthy. <laughs> I think sometimes I was probably a little bad-tempered when you'd cut me for four, one bounce over point for the, about the sixth time on, in, in the uh, spell or something. But, uh, no, it was, um, it was wonderful, strong um, cricket and we had, a, we had a very strong competition at the time, albeit only four teams I think yeah. we had. But, yeah. um, you know, the top 15 cricketers certainly in that competition at the time were, were very good. And I, I guess it must be said that, that uh, at the time Australinda um, were involved in the mm-hmm. comp and, and I think there was an Eton team yeah, of well, some Leshnold, I think. Uh, Leshnold, that's right. Leshnold, yeah. yeah. And, yep. and they had some wonderful young yep. young players at the time. Yep. Clint Hewson, yeah, one of them at the time. And comes Scott through. Fay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yep. they, they had some, some, yeah. So the, the top 15 cricketers in that in that four team competition was were pretty exciting at the time. It was. And, and um, you know, for those who did listen in on episode one, Tuck Waldron talks about, you know, his best cricket, his most favourite memories of playing cricket was in a four team competition in Coach up yeah, of all places yeah. and certainly the Harvey Leshnold Cricket Association that sort of 96, 95 I think we started through to about 2002 like you say had some unbelievable cricketers um, and certainly um, were able to then translate that like you say the 14, 15 guys who regularly would go to country we did some pretty special things during that time but Around about, am I guessing around about 2002, was it you moved to back to your home club, Marist, yes, yep. in, in the BDCA, in the Bummering Districts Cricket Association, and then started another part of your journey? Yes, we um, we played against Bunbury, um, we as in um, Harvey, played against Bunbury in a, in a country cup game. Yes. Um, at Harvey. Yep, um, remember it well. And uh, I don't think it's any secret to, to anyone in, in, in cricket that, you know, we were a bit frustrated that because we were in a four-team um, competition that we were, were considered... Um, a lesser competition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah lesser yeah. competition and perhaps not of the quality that, that, that was needed for representative um, yep. uh, uh, sport, et cetera, you know, in, in the country 11. So... Um, we we had a pretty good game uh, that day. I remember after that game, we we um, we had a bit of a chat and and then there was some conversation within the association. And I think you remember I came to an association meeting and I said, guys, we should go to Bunbury yeah. and yeah. go together. And yeah. and and the team wasn't quite ready for that. And I was a bit 
more ambitious and I wanted to go yeah. straight away and yeah. that didn't quite work. So no. I did. I returned to, returned to Marist and um, uh, that year um, that I returned, um, I think it was the club had actually just decided that they were going to have two A-grade sides. Yes. So I think they were pretty wrapped that, that two of yeah. us because uh, Brett Cameron came with me yeah. um, and, and they were fairly happy and, yeah, we went on, went on to... Awesome. Win, win a premiership. Win, win a premiership yeah. or um, may or may not be aware, but Harvey Leshnold or Harvey Benger, as it became, um, did uh, a year or so later join the Bunbury District Cricket Association and a, a whole new rivalry started because uh, Harvey Benger versus Maris became the hot ticket item there for three or four years, didn't it? it yes. Was, uh, I think we played two or three grand finals in a row against each other. So uh, seemed to, I seemed to just constantly follow you and <laughs> was always on the receiving end. I think uh, I think in that time of Harvey Lesh, uh, Harvey Leshnold or Harvey Benger, Benger won about seven or eight grand finals. I think we won one, <laughs> that being Harvey, and it was a similar story with Harvey <laughs> Benger versus Maris from memory. But great times and great cricket, fantastic cricket, and certainly you sort of continue to blossom. That was when you got the opportunity to play with the WA Country 11 after that. So yes. just a little bit about that time that you had with the Country 11. Yeah, I I, um, I played my, f- my first game was in 2002, Um against Claremont Nedlands um, in the one-day comp. In the Toyota Cup? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then I went on to, um, to be selected in, in the touring team that toured Bundaberg. Um, and whilst it wasn't a, a, a fantastic, memorable um, carnival for me, I broke down with a, um, a bone spur in my ankle. Um, we went on to win the the uh, the trophy that year, and um, that was pretty exciting in yeah. a in a in a team. And you know, winning those, I've been very fortunate having won. I think it's fourteen or fifteen A grade premierships through my my career, and and that experience does galvanise you. It yeah. really does. And and the guys that were were involved uh, in that two thousand and three. Um, win um, just just a wonderful group of mature uh, men, good good cricketers, uh, and a mindset. Yeah. Most importantly, and I I I like to think that that is something that maybe I can I contributed to the team. Yeah. Um, was a mindset around uh, what we were there for, mm-hmm. um, and I have been critical through my my adult years. Uh, at senior country weekend, at representative uh, cricket of guys indulging too much in in the social aspect, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rather than preparing for the game. Yeah. And that's not to say that anyone that has played with me um, will attest that I'm I'm up for a good time. Yeah. Um, but after the game. Yeah. 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 And and absolutely, I can attest yeah. to that. Having mm. been on a, on a few journeys with you uh, at country week, so I'm mm. interested also. So the country eleven obviously was. A period of time, but you also played quite a lot of senior country week. And what is it? One of the things we're trying to capture is that you just you constantly hear guys go. You know, it's it's one of the pinnacles of their year to play senior country week. We're about three weeks out from the two thousand and twenty two championships. What Mm. for you? What what was it about senior country week that always you enjoyed? Um, Well, I was I was perhaps a little enigmatic um, at club level with with the opposition. Um, players, I, I didn't particularly 
Um, pe- some people get a giggle at this, but I, I didn't particularly actually need people to like me. Yeah. Um, I didn't really want the opposition to like me, and in most cases I didn't really want them to know me that much either. Yeah. I was quite happy that, that the persona of, of um, a guy trying to bowl the ball as fast as he can to be fairly silent and not well known, I wouldn't engage in too much conversation. I mean, I, I was there to get you out. Yeah. Um, and that's what the captain gave me the ball to do. So um, what what Country Week, I think, allowed was was for that integration when you actually play in a team and people get to know you a little differently from that perspective. Mind you, when Country Week was over, it was back to the other. Don't, yeah. don't worry about yeah. that. But <laughs> but it certainly, um, not, not that it appeased me from, from a point of view of, of guys wanting to like me or anything, but they would, would see a different personality to me because I was quite happy to, to wear the mask during the, mm. during the season. Mm-hmm. And I think that continued really until perhaps, you know, the last two or three years really when you, you're actually just that far past it that there's no point, you might as well throw the mask out. But yeah. while I could still bowl a heavy ball and, 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 um, and hurry a few batsmen up, I was pretty happy for them not to really know me too well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but Country Week was, and certainly Country 11, I mean, Country 11 is different because there's actually this period of time in Country 11, no matter, I, I, was, I was nearly 30 before I made my debut, and you should be fairly confident and, and, and comfortable within yourself, but I, I still felt I had, I had to prove myself. Yeah. I still felt that, that I, had to, I had to actually demonstrate to the players that I belonged and, and that I had earned the right to play. Um, and so that, that took some time too, you know, I was a couple of years involved in that until I, until I really felt that, that um, I'd had uh, obviously some success helps, but um, that, that, you, that you do belong and you're good enough for it and you believe in yourself and, and that's that constant mental game that, that all sportsmen have to play at whatever level. They do, yeah. indeed. Yeah. And, and out the back end of that with the lessons learnt through your experiences with the Country 11 and with Senior Country Week, did that sort of help you? you um, just moving on a bit now, you had a period of time where you moved out of um, Marist and got the opportunity to captain coach at Hay Park, mm. is that correct? At Hay yep. Park Cricket Club yep. where you still um, roll your arm over occasionally these days. Um, do you think that those experiences, especially your time in the Country 11, helped you with the, the coaching aspect at, at Hay Park? Oh, definitely. I think um, I was 40 when... when um uh, the circumstances around um, my arriving at Hay Park were somewhat unfortunate, but that's um, that happens uh, in cricket and personalities and changes and committees and all those sort of things. So yeah. that 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 sort of happens. And um, I was forty years of age, and I was at the point where I thought I'd I'd had to I had played third grade the year before. Uh, I was on the back of my my seventh leg operation. Uh, the opportunity arrived at, at Hay Park, and that was um, that was something I jumped at. I had coached at at Morris Cricket Club previously, and I guess I was a, a senior player um, in the Benja outfit. Although there wasn't wasn't officially any sort of coaching role or anything like that, so I'd always had a bit of a um, a bit of an interest in in assisting younger guys. Um, I have some some strong views on on what I expect from teams, um, and and again, if you go back to perhaps even even my early years in in the waffle, when you got John Todd yeah. um, making you do Indian file uh, for half an hour if you ran inside a cone, yeah, um, it was all about discipline and yeah. it was about your mindset, and and I 
I like to think that that was perhaps my strength. Yeah. Even outside of, of ability, I think the fact that I was a competitor and I was disciplined. Yep. And and I expected that from the guys that I went to war with yep. over the white line. Yeah. And that's how I refer to it. Yeah. Always have. Yep. We go to war. We're yep. going to win a yep. battle. Um and that was that was that's the it's probably antiquated now. I mean you hear coaches now and they probably use a, li- a different tone of voice than, than I do and they're definitely not as loud as I was. <laughs> um, but that's, ha- that's, that's how I, I viewed it and that's what I wanted and I, I was fortunate too to be reasonably successful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and what, so. and you sort of took a club under your wing that was you know, trying to work out who they were and you, you definitely brought something, you know, from my observations to them and have continued to do that. And uh, don't mind telling the listeners as well that uh, clearly the operation worked because only as recently as a couple of years ago, uh, I played against Chris or uh, Watto in a, in a B-grade game here locally. Uh, first ball, he bowled to me, which was the first ball I faced, hit me flush on the foot uh, right in front of middle stump and I started to walk off thinking I was out LBW to everybody's shock. The umpire gave me not out. I think they felt sorry for me. Uh, four balls later, I didn't hit the other three, by the way. You took my middle stump out of the ground. And I think I said to you later, I th- the only good thing about my five-ball innings that day was that I got to face four more than I should have. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you the listeners now, Chris, at uh, age, uh, what, I don't know, what you would have been, 45, 45, was still as quick as nearly what you were back then, back in 1997 at the Harvey <laughs> Primary School. So uh, certainly uh, you didn't lose anything there. The competitiveness... Um, is something that I think we do talk down a bit too much now, but uh, everybody's got to form their own opinions as to mm. how they approach grassroots country cricket. Some people just want to go and play for fun and that's yeah. that's fine. We celebrate that. We absolutely celebrate that, but we also celebrate those who see the opportunity to play a competitive game of cricket, especially in the higher grades and as you move through to the higher grades of senior country, country 11. And we've seen that discipline pay dividends so many times, you know, as recently as pre-COVID, a couple of, you know, WA teams playing country 11 that have really, you know, put their mind to how they approach the game. You know, plenty of evidence to suggest we've had periods in country cricket where we've lost that in WA country cricket. So I think it's a great call out that you've made and and certainly uh, I've been witness to that. Um, I I always reckon, Rob, that um, I'm always interested in people that play for fun. Yeah. I play to win, yeah, and I derive fun from winning. Winning, yeah, that's a, that's a it's a great call. You you tend to probably have a tad more fun when you win than Absolutely. when you lose. Yeah, Absolutely. but uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll allow each person to make their own uh, judgment on that one. Yeah. We're coming to the back end now of this, and I, I know that um, before I move into a favourite section we have in the podcast called the uh, the super over, which I'm going to fire at six. Quick deliveries at you. I'm enjoying the fact that I'll get to bowl at you for once instead of you knocking <laughs> me over all the time. But uh, mum obviously has played a really big part in your life and mm. I know you've, you've shared with me before that um, dad wasn't necessarily on the scene. You had a stepdad, but mm-hmm. um, did you want to just sort of say a little bit about mum and how influential she's been through your, your life? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so my mother and father separated when I was only eight or nine months of age. Um, and mum decided she wanted to, to head off a, a different way and, um, yeah, I had a stepfather. She, she got married again a couple of years later and... Uh, 
um, had a stepfather who was who was wonderful influence on me, particularly football, for one reason or another. Um, around around the age that we actually moved back down here, around ten, um, mum decided that um, it, it, that she would would move on and we would we would uh, continue our life together, mm. just uh, her and I, and um, and we did that. Um, my mum's been by my side the whole way. My mother lives with me now. Um, I'm by no no means mum's boy. Um, she uh, she um, very early in the piece um, used to tell me that uh, you know I, I need to I need to cut the umbilical cord again at some <laughs> point. You need to go out into the world as a young man yourself. And mum prepared me really well for for life. She um, she devoted her life to me. Um, there was there was no one else in her life for, um, after that after that um, she'd be annoyed at me probably saying this but um, <laughs> after that that second marriage there was no one else in her life but by her son she devoted her life to me um, and she did the very best she possibly could and she gave me the best that she possibly could as far as opportunities in education and certainly emotional help uh, and and most importantly. Uh, in life, I knew every day of my life my mother loved me. Yeah. Uh, I am a very fortunate uh, nearly 50-year-old now that still has the, the, the love of their mother and the support and the backing. Yeah. And that most definitely helped me in, in my sporting yep. uh, decisions, in my life decisions. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for, what, for my mother. What an amazing... What an amazing lady, what an amazing mm. person. And, um, yeah, definitely, again, as we capture, you know, so many stories across use, using this format, the podcast, you know, to hear somebody acknowledge their parent in this instance being one of the most influential persons in their life and in their cricket career in this mm. case and mm. other things, obviously, as you've called yeah. out in yeah. life. But that, that's that's really special and, you know, appreciate you sharing that. That's a pretty amazing thing. I, I, I remember, Rob, one of the beautiful memories I have of, of Mum is actually sitting with your mother. All right. At a grand final in Harvey, and you'll remember this day, I split my toe. Yes. And I remember it went over because um, the listeners won't know, but for our benefit, our, our family have been friends for nearly 100 years. Yep. Um, and Mum was sitting with your mum. Yep. And there's a, there's a generation or half a generation's difference between the two of them. They're sitting there together and I've come off. Mum wanting to engage in some conversations. Mum, just give me another sock. I've got to yeah. get back out there. I've got a bowl. <laughs> I've got a bowl again. But, but I, um, I very, very clearly remember that, that yeah. memory and, and the association between the Waddingham and, and the Marshalls um, going back to before we knew each other. Absolutely. Great, great memories there. And um, you uh, went on to win another grand final, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> we did win. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, and sure I also did. think you're yeah. a little hard on yeah. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's get into the last part of, of this. And I'm certain the, uh, those tuning in will be, uh, will be conjuring up their own memories of, of past matches and past events like you've just called out. But um, we have this thing called the Super Over. I've fired it at the, the three guests so far, so we're going to do the same. It's six six deliveries that I'm going to bowl at you. They're six quick questions with uh, answers for you to give just as quickly if you want to or you can expand, whatever you want. Um, so with Senior Country Week, let's go with the first delivery. You're no doubt going to smash me out of the ground like you normally do, but uh, let's go with the first delivery. With Senior Country Week coming up uh, as this podcast goes to air, um, 
outside of the Wacker, which we all all wanted to play on, you yeah. know, everybody wants to play on the Wacker, even now, yeah. you know, everybody wants to play on the Wacker. Outside of the Wacker, is there a, a ground in Perth when you went to Senior Country Week that you looked at the fixtures and went, oh, I hope we get a fixture there? Was there a ground that resonated for you as a favourite outside of the Wacker? Not really, because it was all about the Wacker. Well, it was, wasn't and, it? And, yeah. But what it was about was, was certainly... The, the playing surface, yep. but if you got to the wacker, you're in the final. Yes, correct. so so there was that. Um, I, I'd love to have played again at Aquinas. Yeah, um, didn't uh, look. I, I, a game I absolutely love was actually at, at the old opposition Scotch College. Yes, um, good and, wickets and, there. Yeah, it was a beautiful wicket. I had yeah. a really really good memories there of a bowling spell I bowled in year twelve in, in 1991, and and Paul Tomasi made a big hundred that day. Right. And uh, and I, you know, I was delighted, delighted for him. We played Williams. Yep. Um, and we beat them. And Williams were right at that point yep. where Rodney Ford was up about, and a few of the other boys were were up and about, and they were pretty strong. And yep. we um, we showed them that Bunbury still. Yeah. It's probably in charge that day. It is one of the sad bits that we don't get the university grounds as much, or the um, private school PSA grounds schools, like yeah. we used to. Yeah. Uh, back then, we used to play a lot at. Yeah. Aquinas and Scotch yeah. and those grounds and they were amazing. Yeah. I seem to remember, I think we all used to, from going back to our Harvey Leshnot period in yeah. time, I think we kind of always hoped we might get a game at Settlers in Beldivis, yes. if you remember. That yes. was a special ground. With the, the lovely time. white picket, With the picket yeah, fence yeah, around. Yeah. You remember yeah, that one? That was, that. Yeah, yeah, I think we used to kind of keep our eye out hoping we might get that one. But yeah. uh, definitely the wacker you can't, uh, like, for the reasons you've called out. Yeah. Um, so second delivery, if you were... Uh, Put your mind across all your all the players you played with in country cricket, uh, whether that be club cricket, senior country week, country eleven. Is there one that you know just stands out as as as? Well, I'm going to put it as an interesting teammate. You know, just somebody that you kind of, for whatever reasons, you either gel with them or didn't gel with them. They just were somebody that just sticks in your mind as a teammate. That you go. Yeah, I didn't mind playing with him, even though maybe he wasn't, you know, a great mate or whatever. Oh, gee, that's a <laughs> tough question. Isn't yeah, it? I'm yeah. glad this is you've given this one plenty yeah, of air, yeah. Rob. <laughs> Throw it up a bit. So I've got time on it. Well, is there um, anyone that you know? We'll put it a different way. Anyone you look back across and go, "I'm so glad that I did actually get to play with him." We'll put it that way. Yeah. Rather than necessarily uh, the mateship factor so, of it. So at Country Eleven. Yeah. Um, I played with some wonderful guys through there. A guy I had an enormous amount of respect for, um, I watched him make 160 against us one day at Pinjarra was Dale Burns. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I admired a lot about Dale Burns and I am, I'm forever grateful that he won Player of the Carnival in that 2003 yeah. um, uh, Country 11 Carnival. And I am, I'm forever grateful that I, I got to play with, with Dale. Um, I did feel there was, a, there was a period of time where I needed to earn his respect. Yeah. And I had no issue with that. Yeah. Because I thought of a person that you thought so much of, given that I didn't know Dale as a young bloke, hadn't grown up with him or anything, yeah. I'd merely observed him, watched the way he went about his sport. He was a man that resonated with me and, and, and just a, He's a ripping guy. Well, I can tell you now, even to this day, in when I go away with the Country Eleven in my role as chair of the Country Cricket Board, Dale's name will invariably come up around the ground from the old timers, yes. if you want to call them that. That everybody remembers yeah. Dale Burns yeah. and his 
legacy in the country 11 space yeah. at national championships yeah, is, is well documented. Yeah. So, yeah. That cheeky little grin that went with him yeah, probably yes. helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't get to play a lot with, with Dale. I played against him quite a few times and, yeah, yeah. he, he, he uh, you know, sort of hit me around the park for fun. Um any embarrassing moments in, uh, you know, I, I played a Masters game a couple of weeks ago and uh, in Perth and managed to get all the way out to the middle with two left-handed gloves, <laughs> you know, and had, to, had the ignominy of going back into the change room. So uh, any moments like that that you remember stick out across the journey? or uh... um, I recall, and uh, I said earlier, um, you know, Bomber, Bomber Davis's dad yelling out, um, bring him on from both ends. <laughs> Um, your father did the same thing, Robert. I uh, uh, do, do remember that well. It didn't end <laughs> very well for me from memory um, after I'd hit you for four and he yelled that out. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I think um, I'd come back from a tonsillectomy and uh, um, anyway, I wasn't quite on song this day and you belted me around a bit and, yeah, and old Arthur, he's uh, screamed out, bring him on from both ends, right in the middle of Harvey with, uh, yeah, that was, that was a little interesting for Echoing me. Echoing all around the ground <laughs> with me going, Dad, no, no, don't. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the fourth delivery uh, of the over. Uh, you've, we've called out at some great rivalries you've had. If there was a team you most wanted to beat, probably more at club cricket or country league, is there a team that you came up against regularly, you went, I'm going to go to another level because I just want to knock these blokes over. And you've already called out your competitiveness there. Yeah. There, so. Um, without a shadow of doubt, it is Bustleton. Right, okay. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. Wow. Um, I, I think it's born f- not from any any dislike of or hatred of or anything like that. It's purely competitiveness because at the time, um, James Trail was the chairman of selectors at Country 11. Yes. And he was involved with Bustleton. Yes. Um, and, of course, at Country Cup level we, we used to play them. And, and James, if he's got a fault, it's his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he used to chirp us like nothing else. And I remember saying to him one day, I am going to kill someone on your team when <laughs> <laughs> we play. I am going to. And uh, and so this was built up over um, over some years, and 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 there was probably some occasions where whereby uh, um, it got uh, it got fairly competitive. So yeah, um, yeah, I was very keen to beat Bustleton, very well, keen. Well, we'll 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 thank James for that. James is now back <laughs> on the country cricket board, if you weren't aware, representing the goldfields and doing a great job. But uh, we'll thank James for that because he certainly uh, took you to a whole new level. If I remember a few games <laughs> against Busso as well. Um, I've asked this question of, of a number of our guests on the, on the podcast. If there was one batsman that you could identify that you kind of bowled to over a, a long, longer period of time where you went, most of the time I'm struggling to get this guy out or he just, he just was a batsman that just drove you insane from a bowler's point of view. Was there anybody that, uh, you know, sort of was the most difficult batsman you bowled at in country cricket? Um, so Murray Goodwin is is, yeah. is by far yeah. that batsman. Yeah. Um, n- not to say that I couldn't get Murray out because most times I did. Yeah, right. Okay. It was just the hundred. Yes. That was before yeah. the out. <laughs> that was the issue. The three figures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, um, yeah. Yeah. And look, Murray Murray's a year older than me as as a junior, and uh, he's a guy I I love playing representative um, cricket with as a young bloke. Yeah. Uh, I watched him. Um, you know, whilst we went different paths, I went the football way and, and Murray went through cricket and, and watched him work his way up. Um, Murray very much, uh, um, 
encapsulates some of the things that, that I love about sport. He went on professionally, of course, and and I did not. But um, his his professionalism, his discipline, um, and his desire to be successful yep. um, made have made him, and still still now, you know, at, at, I think he's nearly fifty. Yep. Um, comes out and has a bat, and obviously his his young blokes playing um, up in Perth, and and recently made his his debut. Um, with the Warriors, um, so his time is 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 with with that rather than at club cricket. But when he comes back, the competitor still comes yeah, out, yeah. And, and I love that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a it's a comparison I can draw with with Murray. He's a class act. I think uh, I think across the board we uh, we acknowledge Murray has um, been something special in WA country cricket mm-hmm. of the last 20, 30 years that mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be hard to beat, although, like you say, he's got a son who's uh, going to levels mm-hmm. and uh, certainly I would agree. I, I just I had no idea where to bowl to Murray across the journey. <laughs> I would just lob it up there and see what happened. Um, so last ball, uh, you're, you're not knocking me out of the park as you always did. Just, just in one word or a couple of words, what is it about country cricket that you you reflect on now that you most loved? What what's a favourite aspect of country cricket that you'll finish your days going? That's what I loved about country cricket in WA. Um, teammates, uh, competition, and camaraderie. Yeah, great. And I, I think they are the absolute essence of what sports about. Uh, and what country cricket is about. Country people in themselves uh, are, are a different breed in that our experience is community-oriented. Yeah. Irrespective of how big. Bunbury, a city, but it's still community-oriented. We, yep. we all still know each other. It's still we jump in together. We do those, those things together. I remember playing Country 11 and being called the Bush Pigs mm-hmm. by the Perth boys. Mm-hmm. And I thought if that's the way they respond to us guys that want to want to be in this, doing this together, travel 230, 50, Craig Tonkin had, had travelled from Albany 400 kilometres yeah. and be there for a 9 o'clock start. Yep. The guys that come from Geraldton, uh, albeit rarely in my time, unfortunately, and, yep. and, and, and Kalgoorlie and, and those sort of things. I mean, that's the essence of what we are. We go the extra mile because we have to travel the mile. Great call. Great call. Absolutely. And I think think to this day that is still the essence of country cricket, that extra mile. And and it's it's being recognised more and more at the Perth end, I think. I don't think there's that disdain that there may have once been. Mm. There is an acceptance that what country cricket brings to the table in WA cricket across the board is something really special. And I know certainly uh, from Christina Matthews down that that certainly is resonating a lot more these days, the respect and understanding of exactly what you've just said. So we're, we're going to leave it on that point. Great, great call out. Hope you've enjoyed the opportunity to unpack uh, your, your journey. I certainly have. I've loved every minute of it. Um, mate, uh, congratulations on an amazing career and it's not necessarily over yet. I know you're still knocking a few young blokes over here in Bunbury, but uh, well done on, a, on an amazing career and well done on uh, on what you've achieved in your life. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks very much. I, I only hope someone's interested in listening to it. <laughs> I'm sure they will be, mate. Well done. 
Thanks, Watto, for sharing with us so candidly and so openly your story in WA Country Cricket, the journey you've been on. And uh, I'm sure everybody tuning in has uh, really uh, had an opportunity to hear your heart when it comes to uh, WA Country Cricket and the passion that you've had and, and certainly the fierce competition that you so enjoy about WA Cricket and in particular in the regional areas of WA uh, it was something to uh, to hear you share that with us. So thanks, mate. And also to Tim Edmonds for joining us earlier in the session and uh, bringing to us some of the, the latest news around the ACCC and also the uh, Southern Smash played down in Albany recently. Really excited about uh, where that's going and uh, we'll continue to bring more news in regards to the Southern Smash in the coming months and coming episodes of Out on the Paddock. Thanks for tuning in today. We look forward to you joining us again very soon on Episode 5 of Out on the Paddock.